This week's guest is Christian Del Pesh, who joins us from Miami, Florida. Originally from Buenos Aires in Argentina, Christian started working in bars at the age of 17. It was at that time that Christian saw the movie Cocktail and developed a passion for flair bartending. In fact, Christian's interest in flair bartending is so strong that Christian has gone on to become a 19-time flair bartending world champion. Christian has a great story and a terrific perspective on working in the service industry. Enjoy the show. Okay, we are back with another episode of the Industry Podcast, or at least most of us are back. Dan, the man, the producer behind the show, has COVID, so he will not be joining us on this episode. But I am your host, Kip Saunders. I'm still with you here on the Industry Podcast. We have a great guest, as always. Christian Delpish will be joining us in just a minute from Miami. Before we get to him... I should mention that uh, you should be looking forward to our Tales of the Cocktail episode, which will be coming out. Or actually, by this time, you would have actually listened to it. Sorry, I had the order mixed up. But uh, yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed that live interviews and Tales of the Cocktail. That's why I've been off for two weeks. Dan uh, was on a business trip in Amsterdam. I was in New Orleans for Tales. So hopefully you enjoyed the content we got from that. If you like the show, then you should be supporting us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. That's the best way that you can help us. You should also, if you wish to be a guest on the show, just uh, DM us at The Industry Podcast on Instagram, or you can email us, info at theindustrypodcast.club. It's also a great way to support the show through sponsorship. Finally, Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co is the man who does the Wonderful artwork for our Instagram page, and if you have any graphic art needs, you should you should uh, hit him up. He's amazing. To run my own shit now, Sugar Run Bar, Kitchener, Ontario. That's downtown Kitchener, Sugar Run. It's a speakeasy in downtown Kitchener, and it's a rum bar, cocktail lounge. You should come check that out. We are featuring Olivia Stadler every Wednesday night with professional stand-up comedy, and we have lots of live music events coming up, so... Stay tuned to our Instagram page. That's at Sugar Run Bar. Uptown Waterloo, Babylon Sisters Wine Bar. Lots of amazing stuff coming through there. DJ Bane every Friday night, as well as DJ Nana will be performing the last Saturday of every month. So you don't want to miss that. Okay, so without further ado, that's enough about us. Let's talk to our guest, Christian Dalpesh. How are you, Christian? Hi, how are you? I'm doing very well. Good. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you're coming to us from Miami now, correct? Yes, yes, yes. I currently live in Miami. Great. I'm originally, originally from Argentina via Las Vegas, uh, and then I moved to Miami seven years ago. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, growing up in Argentina and why you made the move to the U.S. in the first place. Well, I was uh, living in Argentina, and um, I started bartending when I was 17 years old. Uh, I fell in love with uh, flair bartending after watching the movie Cocktail. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah, it is true. And then um, I was uh, performing flair bartending. And in Argentina, they had the perception, um, at the moment, they had the perception of flair bartending being like a show off instead of an entertainment. So right. I wanted to be able to perform. And my dream was working behind the bar while I was doing flair. Obviously, flair bartending, which is basically constructing the cocktail while you're entertaining the guests. That's the, the main concept. And in Argentina, it was very, very hard. So I tried to make a move, moved uh, outside the country. So I made the move and I moved to 
um, Tenerife, which is in Canary Island, Spain. And I live there for a month, uh, for nine months. Then I live in Madrid. I came back. I live in Cancun, in Mexico, for a few months, like three months. And then I went and compete in the World Championship in Las Vegas. Uh, called previously, I competed in the in Orlando, uh, Florida, in a World Championship in a rookie division. It was like a semi-pro division, which I won, and I I got an invitation to the world championship like pro division in las vegas invitation and only called legends of bartending so i w- i moved to cancun three months and then from cancun i went to las vegas to compete i won the world championship and uh, i got a job offer in las vegas which was my dream to work in vegas i got the job offer in a bar called the shadow bar um, now it's closed but um it was a caesar's palace and they offered me a job there and made my visa, working visa and everything. And yeah. that's I started my career in Vegas. So we haven't had a whole lot of people on the show yet who have been flair bartenders. Like, you might be the first, actually, uh, where sort of that's your focus. How did you, like, I obviously got into it from Cocktail. I think many, many of us were growing up watching that movie and we're like, that's the fucking coolest thing. How did you learn how to do it? So I learned from, from first from the movie Cocktail. Uh, I took all those moves, I learned them, and then from there, I started taking my own, uh, starting to create my own moves in a way, which it takes basically creativity, and uh, also I was I was watching videos from world championships in the US, so my whole idea was to take different styles and make my own style, which is the most difficult thing when you're going to be a flair competitor, is to create your own style. Uh, right. Something that, you know, like somebody will watch you behind a screen, it will be just your shadow and they will be able to recognize you by your style. That's something very difficult to to get in flair bartending uh, com- competition world. And um, so I started to create my own style by mixing the style from US, which was like multiple objects, like three bottles or two things, one bottle. Um, four bottles and then the european style which mostly from uk which it was one bottle and one shaker one bottle one tin which is more flow although they repeat the same move over and over the same way that americans will repeat the same base move with three bottles uh, like, like let's say like a juggling base and then go into a move juggling base go into a move and in europe they will do same move like a base, and then do another move, and so on and so forth. So I just try to combine both styles and try to take that base and try to make it a whole routine without repeating any moves and make it more visual, more circular moves, smoother, and creating my my own style that way, and, and it worked. I mean, people liked it, and then that's how I won the first world championship in the second, and and I started my career as a flair bartender in competitions and winning all these competitions and be able to travel all over the world doing what I like. So I was very fortunate. That's amazing. So like when you describe your style specifically, it's like sort of like you were mentioning the combination between the two sort of styles, the American style, Europe, more of a European style. And what you think makes your style stand out is the smooth transition between the two styles. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I would describe it more like 
combining the best of both of them and giving it the Latin, the Latin American flavor, you know, right. of movement. And that's basically when the standout because then all the flavor bartenders from Latin America, they started to get that same style, not moves, but same style of flair. I mean, the flair actually became that. That's the, I would say it was a big transition from, you know, move and stop, move and stop to a completely whole routine without stopping uh, while making a cocktail and entertaining oh, people. I see. So you're kind of like, and you're also kind of like using your whole body as opposed to just using your arms. Yeah, yeah. Body movement, moves that make it very visual. Because I like, all, I also come from a background of magic. So I used to do magic in, when I live in Spain, like close-up magic. And I learned from this magician, like um, amazing magician, Juan Tamariz, uh, one of the best uh, magic uh, magicians in the world. He was, um, he always said like, it's not about making the, the hardest tricks in a routine to amaze the guest, but it's the best magicians are the ones that make the easiest trick look the hardest. Right. So I try to translate that to flair. And yes, I will do very difficult tricks, but my whole idea was to make a very difficult trick to make it look easy. Mm-hmm. And every easy trick, the other way around. So it's kind of it gives you that little, a lot of a smoothness in your routine, per se. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sort of interested in the whole, like, traveling around to do flair bartending. You get to travel all over the world doing this. What are these competitions themselves like? Because it seems like, now I know we've already talked about how you've sort of made your own style out of it. But, like, it, there's there's so many people doing this sort of, like, juggling magic acts. Like, how, like how do you specifically make yours stand out to win these competitions? Well, first, I was very good reading at the rules. You know, that's what I teach people when I teach them how to compete. If you're going to compete in anything, so if I will race you, I will be like, let's race. And you'll be like, okay, let's race. And the question you're going to ask me, I'm like, from where to where? Right. That's that's how you start setting rules. So most people, you know, when they start competing in Flairbarton, they just want to go there and show their moves that they practice and they learn instead of building a routine that it goes according to the rules so you can score the highest amount of points. So you need to be smart about competing um, and pick the moves that you're going to use, when to use them. There is a lot of details into it. It's not that simple. But basically, reading the rules and just following the rules. So like, what are the rules exactly? Like, give us give us a couple examples of like some of the rules you have to follow when you're doing it. So we, you will be judged when you when you're competing in flair. You will be judged on on uh, originality, uh, difficulty, smoothness, variety of moves, interaction with, with the crowd, interaction with the music while you're doing the routine, and then you get deductions. Uh, overall showmanship. And then you also get deductions for drops, spills, breaks. Right. So you need to be able to get the most amount of points in those categories, trying to make the least amount of mistakes, if any. Have you ever had like an embarrassing break or drop? I have breaks, yes. I have have actually one of the competitions that I, 
after I became world champion, I had this um, really bad routine that actually happened in, uh, I think it was in Vancouver. Uh, I had this competition that I, I started my routine and I tried this new trick that I just learned 10 minutes before the comp and, uh, and I did it very easy. And I decided to do it. Basically, that taught me a lesson that you have to be, you have to practice your moves very well before you try something new. Uh, so I broke the bottle. I broke a glass. Uh, I had like two two breaks and like ten drops in a routine that for, for me was the most I've ever had, like by far. Like my routines were usually very clean. Right. Uh, but yeah, and I took sixth place after you know being a world champion in a local competition. But you know that taught me a lesson. You always yeah. learn from from your from your failures and from for your sure. mistakes. So when you win something like the world, like the world competition for flair bartending, what kind of doors does that open to you? What sort of prizes do you win for something like that? You don't have to tell us like money stuff if you don't want to, but if you want to, great. <laughs> yeah, well, nowadays, nowadays is very different. Back in the days when I used to compete, you would go to a world championship and you would win minimum 5000 10000 15000 up to $20,000 for first place. So that's... Right big money if you have a sponsor so if you're doing well and you're winning you can find sponsors or your place that you work they might sponsor you to go and compete pay for your flights accommodation and then whatever you win you just bring also in that moment i mean flare bartending was really hot and then people will hire you to do shows events for brands and they will pay you a lot of money to do so right. According to bars to work at, really, you work always on flare bars at the moment. I was in Vegas working in the best flare bar in the world. So I wasn't looking for any other job. I was right. just, for me, it was just winning. I just wanted to win. I just wanted to be the best that I could. And that's what I was, that was my motivation to train every day, really. It wasn't the money, it wasn't anything. As a matter of fact, um, I have a cool story about money. Uh, and that, that, like, I really didn't care about making money in competitions. Um, one day, I was uh, after I retired competing, uh, I'm talking about like two or three years after, I, I was moving in Vegas from one house to another. So I'm grabbing all these luggage and, and the bags that I used to carry my clothes to the competitions. And that's why I was going to throw them away. So I, I'm emptying, emptying them, them out, and then I opened the secret pocket in one of them, and I found like a thousand pounds. And and I was like, "What is this? Oh, that's one roadhouse that I probably won, and I forgot to take the money from there." And then, <laughs> I, and then in another in another one, I found an envelope with twenty five hundred dollars cash, like brand new, untouched. And oh, um, man. <laughs> so those are the, the lucky ones. Unfortunately, I don't have any more secret bags at home. But that well, was, you, don't, you know, you don't. How do you? How do you even know? Maybe you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? No, I look. Go, I look go home everything. and check the luggage after this. <laughs> yeah, but it was crazy, and that's that's um, the story that I tell people that I really didn't compete for the money. I just, for me, it was a trophy. It was the most valuable thing that I could right. bring home. You know? Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. I have a couple few questions uh, on top of that, like that. So, 
You're traveling all around the world going into these competitions. I imagine once you're in the competition, they're very similar. But talk to me a little bit about the vibes in the cities that you went to. And you've also worked in so many bars around the world at this point. Like, what were your sort of favorite cities to visit? And what were your favorite bars to work at or, or even compete in? So there were some, a lot of questions in one, but I'll try to go one by one. So uh, comp- competitions, I mean, the vibe is always pretty much the same. It's like people excited to follow Flair, and there's usually a lot of people that were into Flair to watch the competition, and people that weren't into Flair, they wanted to watch and to see what it was. Everybody likes Flair. Um, and only the haters, you know, that come and probably... I just want my drink. I just want my drink. And they don't realize right, right, that right. this is yeah. a competition. It's not like a, I'm not making you a drink. Um, right. So the competitions vibes were amazing. In uh, Europe, is you know, it's very huge. Italy is very, very um, crazy about flair. At the moment, the biggest competitions in the world were in Vegas called Legends of Bartending and another one in London called Roadhouse. Those were the most prestigious competitions in the world. And um, only two people won both. And it was my, my brother and I. Oh, really? Your brother does it too? Yeah, no yeah my, brother is, my brother is 17-time world champion. 17 times? Yeah, and I'm 19-time world champion. So my How brother won... You, sorry? My, uh, me, I won 19-time world champion. 19 times. You're, ni- you're 19, he's 17? Yes. So basically, yes. this whole fucking competition just runs through your family. Yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, it started with me, it started with me and my brother jumping, and you know, we both have different styles. Uh, but going back to yeah, 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 very, very different. But going back to the um, yeah. to the traveling, you know, places that I love. I mean, that I've traveled. I love Ibiza because I lived in Ibiza before. I never right. competed in Ibiza, but I, I love Ibiza. I I love cities that I really liked. Uh, St. Petersburg in Russia, I love. Uh, I love. This, uh, I love Spain. Like I, many different cities in Spain, the ones that I like. I like Barcelona. I like Sevilla. I like Marbella, um, uh, Mallorca, the island. I like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like ma- you know many different places for different reasons. Uh, the Caribbean, I love the Caribbean a lot too. Yeah. I was very fortunate to be able because Flair was so big at the moment and money was good in the, in the economy worldwide. So I was very fortunate to be able to travel. And people, sometimes I went to countries that I didn't compete. I just went there to do an exhibition and a show. Uh, I, I lived in Taiwan for a whole month uh, doing training and exhibitions in a, the biggest nightclub in, tai, in Taipei at the moment. And so it was very... You know, it was very satisfying. And do you like the teaching? Do you like the teaching part of it? Yes, I like. I like to teach. I like to teach people um, at the beginning because I like to teach. I think the most important thing for of flare bartending is is obviously you need to learn the moves, but you need to know how to use it properly to make it efficient and to make it successful. And right. the best way to use it is using the technique of working flare, which means basically making cocktails while you're performing instead of just flipping bottles behind the bar and putting them on the side. But you, right. can do two, you can do that as a show to get the attention of the people and then 
you can you can make your cocktails. But when once you do it while you're making the cocktails, that is absolutely beautiful, beautiful to watch because it shows the display of the bartender making a good cocktail, quality cocktail in a in a fair timing for the entertainment that is given. And and also you can actually manage your times, you know, while you're flaring behind the bar when you're working. So because these are two different types of flares. So this the working flare is the one that you do while you're working behind the bar, and then the other one is the exhibition flare, the one that you right. use to do shows and, and competitions. So the working flare is the one that you truly use behind the bar and is very, very effective. And and you make more money on tips, people really enjoy it. And it's up to you how to read the guest that wants to see it and how to read the guest that only want the drink and they don't, they're not interested in watching it. So you need to see all those things and all the experience will give you that. But obviously there are some tips to it. But you have to, you have to make it sure you have to make it functional. That's the most important thing. Yeah, that's interesting. So, because I was getting that you sort of answered a question I was about to ask you, which was like the difference between the competing and then the actual working in a flare bar. So, when you were working in at the Caesar, the bar at Caesars, what was that bar called again? The Shadow Bar. The Shadow Bar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you're like, I mean, obviously, you're in a big casino like Caesars, one of the biggest and most famous casinos on the strip. And you're doing flare bartending in the height of the era of flair bartending that must have been like a lucrative situation for you no it was it was amazing especially yeah. when i left i left the shadow bar and i went across the street to the carnival court carnival court was considered the best flair bar in the world for years and working in carnival court it was like volume a lot of people watching your shows uh people will come to see you from other countries just to see you work Mm-hmm. They will, they will come to see you. Like it was like a, like a big thing. At one moment, I was on the billboard, doing flair, in in Las Vegas Boulevard, in two at the same time. One at Caesar's Palace and one at Harris, where it's kind of a court. So uh-huh. one across the street from the other, owned by the same place, all owned by Caesar's. So I was in two billboards. So that's how how big flair was. That's crazy. And, yeah, it was amazing. But the the thing with with flare bartending is is uh, it's really the 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 way it was. It was flare bars, of course. But flare is nothing than another uh, skill that you might have behind the bar. Right. So it's the same the comparison because a lot of people today, even I've been in interviews when people ask you, "What's your style of bartending?" So it means like. You were flipping bottles. I'm like, is that what you want me to? Because I can do it and I can turn it on and I can turn it off. It's a skill that I have. It's like right. if I tell you, it's like if I tell you, oh, you're a mixologist, so you're only creating cocktails. Is that your style of bartending? You're behind the bar and someone asks you for something, you'd be like, no, sorry, I'm going to create you my own cocktail because right. I'm a mixologist. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. No, that makes you're bartending. Sense. Yeah, yeah, you no. you you want an old fashioned or make an old fashioned? You yeah, yeah, you want because you like, like work, you, you, you can't even work. like you can't even go to be like a flair bartender of your quality with without knowing the skills of how to be a bartender in the first place. No, it it is it is a myth. It is a yeah. myth. No, because that is not true either. Because the myth it comes from there. Because back in the days, you have all these kids from Europe that they will practice flair bartending because all they wanted to do is show off and get 
chicks right. and, and, and compete and travel the world and do the lives that I was doing. But I was doing it while I was bartending, truly, right. eight hours a day. So for me, it was twice a sacrifice because I, I was actually working full time. But the thing is, because those people didn't know how to make a cocktail and they knew how to flip bottles very well. So then there was a tendency of flare bartenders don't know how to make drinks. Right. And it's the same way that I could tell you, like, comfortably, there is a lot of mixologists that they don't know how to bartend. They're very good creating cocktails. They don't know how to bartend. Oh, I, I 100% agree with that, man. Like, I've, I've seen that a million times. It's like somebody takes 45 minutes to craft you a beautiful cocktail, but, like, they don't know what to do when it gets busy. Yeah, or or maybe they, maybe they can craft you a really good cocktail. They're super busy, but they're they're sucking customer service. So right. bar, bartending in general, when people ask me, "What are you a flavor bartender?" I'm like, "Are you a mixologist?" No, I could I could be a mixologist. I could create cocktails. Yes, I could. Uh, do I know about classics? I do know a lot about classics. Do I know about flair? I know about flair. I know about customer service. What am I? I'm a bartender that cares. Yeah, and you're and you're you're you're, you're, you couldn't be a more complete bartender, really. Like you literally have all the skills. So it it gives you more skills. It gives you more because what what I tell people, flair works, and they they say, "Well, no." I'm like, "Well, I'm telling you, I perform at Four Seasons. I perform uh, the Hyatt. I perform at the Marriott. I perform in a in a five star hotel, and people loved it. I work at the Fontainebleau at the lobby bar. Everybody loves flair." But if you do it correctly at the right time, at the right moment, they will enjoy it. You just need to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. It's that right. simple. And obviously, right. you need to have the skill. You need to practice and you need to get all those moves. But it, it's not. It's nothing different than, than like I mentioned before, like, you know, a, a person that creates cocktails and then you have to follow. Uh, imagine how hard it is for you. Like if you're a, a mixologist and you like to create your own cocktails, and give your own tweaks on classics and someone hires you to work in a place and they tell you well here you need to we make our our daiquiri or our negroni is one ounce gin three quarter sugar mousse three quarter uh, campari although it's equal parts everywhere in the world that's our specs and then Mm -hmm. you as a mixology you have to you working for a company you have to make it the same way that's how yeah. we make it. I would make it in Sweet Liberty while I'm currently working now. So, and it tastes amazing. But you you have to make it the way the place that you're working at is making it. So, for one moment, you need to forget everything you know. And not everything you know. You know what you know, but you need to adapt. You have to have the ability to adapt to the place that you work and try to use your skills accordingly where you right. need it the most. Some places so, that sometimes you need to talk a lot more in some places, you need to act. It's right. busy service. Let's go. Not talking. Yeah. You need to move so there's um, different ability. You know? So, like for you now, like the like because you put in so many hours to practice. Like I'm assuming when you're just doing a regular bartending mm-hmm. shift, that's not like a quote unquote flare bar or a flare bartending shift. Because you've put in so many hours of practice, whether you're actually working at like a flare bartending shift or at a flare bartending bar you can pull out these moves anytime you want almost with muscle memory yes it's, it's just it's like dancing yeah you just hear music and you move this is a flare. that's how flare for me is so yeah. it comes to a point it's like when you when you bartend for example to give you a, a better example it's 
so people can understand a little better and relate to it. When when you when you go into a bartending school and I tell you uh, maybe a Negroni, uh, so you're thinking in your head, oh Negroni, Negroni, that was uh, the one that has gin and it has Campari and then it has sweet vermouth. It was uh, one ounce of each, and then I stir it and then I put it on the rocks, fresh ice, orange twist. Right, so that's all is going through your head. You you just started bartending, right? mm-hmm. so you knew you fairly knew, and then a daiquiri. Yeah, three quarter and three quarter and then two ounces of rum and then I had to shake it, double strain, whatever. So for me, when you tell that to a bartender that is already experienced, Negroni and Daiquiri, that's what I need to remember. The rest, I just know. I don't think, I just know what's in each drink, right? So the same thing with flair. When music comes, the moves, they just combine by themselves and I, I have the capability of mixing them up and improvise as I'm going through the practice that I already have when mm. I'm experienced so I'm not thinking about oh I, I need to do this move now I'm going to catch it here I just do same right. way as you actually make drinks right that, I don't know if that makes sense yeah it does uh, so I have a couple more questions for you and then we'll let you go. The One of them I wanted to ask you is like, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier when you were talking about the competition, but like when you're working in a bar and you're doing flair, like what do you say to these fucking idiots who are just like, oh, just make me a drink. I just want to get my drink fast. Because you're obviously still making the cocktail quickly. You're just able to do it better than like with this sort of flair to it that other people don't know how to do. Like, So it, it, back in the day, I would tell them to fuck off because I was young <laughs> and immature and immature. But mm-hmm. what life gave me with age is maturity yeah. and, and mental strength. So when people come like that to me, I'll be like right away saying that's not a problem. And then when I, I give him the, the, the drink, I would tell them much love to you. I know you need it. Thank you so much. <laughs> And and because because that person is so has so much hate in them that right. they do need love, they do need something positive and good vibes. And I use that with my comments on Instagram. I have when I post my videos, I have so many comments on Instagram, and some of them there has a lot of not positive comments. Like they're like, right. I just want my drink. I just ordered a beer. So yeah. sometimes I order, I order, I answer with sarcasm, just to be funny. Yeah. But then at the end, I always be like, hey, my love, uh, much love to you, or, or good vibes going your way. Thank you thank you for watching the video. And because at the end of the day, you are so frustrated and you're having such a bad day and bad vibes that you're going out of your way to watch a video that you say that you don't like. And not only that, you just go to the comments and put a bad comment right. in it. So you're wasting your time and you're wasting mine as well. So yes. you really need love. You really need good vibes. So You're right. maturity, and, and maturity t- will give you that. Yeah. I'll tell you this, like, uh, the other take on this, like, from someone who doesn't know how to flare at all, like, I uh, I grew up on fucking cocktail as well. I love that movie. It's like, I'll watch it once a year. And, like, it, it, the truth is, it's just jealousy, Christian, because, frankly, all those people wish they could do what you could fucking do, whether they admit it or not. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you see, I mean, their girlfriend are looking at you making the moves and they, they think, oh, look at this clown flipping bottles. I'm like, well, but you can't do it, bro. Your girl right. is looking at so, but, That's it. It's but jealousy, the, man. Yeah, it it's is, jealous. it is. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you have to, it's, it's a very difficult point 
uh, can reach in your career. Mm. But once you reach this point, it's a beautiful thing because you cannot let a, another person's attitude to run yours, to your mood of the day or, or the rest of your shift. You have to be in control. And for you to be in control, you need to become and you need to have a, a, a very nice response because it goes according to customer service. You don't have to be submissive. You can be hard, but smart. You don't need to curse. You don't need to say anything bad. You just can talk politely and make him look like a fool because they are stupid by the things that they're saying. Everybody's seeing it. And by you acting nicely, it's, it's, it makes you so much bigger and so much in control of the situation. And I'd much rather be in control than trying to make him look like a fool and just have a, a, a fight or an argument behind the bar. I'd just rather be in control and be like, I'm going to control you. You don't get my mood. I choose to have my own mood. That's an amazing attitude. It's a great way to it's a great way to have an attitude about all forms of life, to be honest with you. So I just have two more questions for you, then we'll let you go. We appreciate you giving us all this time. I know you've like pulled over the side of the road to talk to us. So I really appreciate that. Um, no one question I wanted to ask you, and this goes back a little ways to what you were saying earlier, but it stuck with me. So when you were talking about like when it was the height of flair bartending, first of all, what years would you say that were that those years were that where it was like the absolute height of flair bartending? And what do you think happened that it's no longer that way? So I think, uh, well, I know that the hype of flair was in between like 99 and 2007. That was like 2000, from 2000 to 2007. It was huge. Uh, those are the years, the prime years of flair bartending. The prices were more and more and more, and 2007 was the best year of flair bartending. My brother that year won, he made like $120,000 in competitions. Oh, shit. Uh, alone, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, I think the reason why flair uh, didn't have a big impact after that is because of two reasons. One is the the economy worldwide it collapsed in 2007 there was a crisis in 2008 so the sponsors pull out they drop their budget so there was no more money for competitions therefore there's no more competitions and that's one and the second the only th the only thing we have after that is flare behind the bar so i think ego is the is the one that killed um, momentarily, flare bartending back in the day because I believe that flare bartending is coming back right now. A lot of people is interested in learning flare. I get all messages at all times on my Instagram about people wanting to learn flare bartending. So, why I say that ego killed it is because the flare bartender at the moment he was making, they were doing flare for themselves basically to see, look how badass I am, look the tricks that I can do. And it's not about you. It never is. It's all about the guest that you have in front of you. Maybe the guest doesn't want to see any tricks, so you have to turn it off, or you have to go to the very minimum, which it could be only one move. And then when you when you when you flare, it has to be with a purpose. That's why I always say, like when you do work in flare, it's basically flare with a purpose. You flare to make a cocktail for somebody. It's not to show off. It's not to get the attention of this chick. Yeah, you can use it too. I'm not saying don't do it. You can right. do whatever you want, but use it wisely. 
and to compare it to what it is with mixology because mixology has fell in a way. Look, you see, like mixology is still big, but it came down a lot from what it was. Yeah. And also because of the mixologies, you walk into a bar and if someone asks, can I get a tequila and soda? And you'd be like, oh, oh, well, here we have this cocktail and this cocktail because this tequila comes from, you know, um, Jalisco and it has this particular, particularity, it's a reposado, blah, 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 that many months and this and that. And they talk about the particularity of the tequila and you should drink this. And they try to mix your drink that you wanted to have a tequila soda and they wanted to make their own cocktail because they're mixologists and they think they can change your mind. And that is ego. Of the, of the bartender, because first off, if someone is telling you I want a tequila and soda, it's not because they enjoy the tequila and soda flavor. You should be smart enough to know that. You know that they don't want calories in their drink. They want the least amount of calories in their right. cocktail, the least amount of sugar, right? Yep. So don't give the guest what they want. Give them what they want, yeah. That, those and, are and great words to just, so those are great words just for our whole fucking industry to live by, actually. <laughs> It is, it is, but it's incredible how much, yeah. how much, uh, how many bartenders want to change people's mind and they don't read the guests properly. You right. need to give them what they want. There is a reason why they want it. So you give it to them. So when someone tells me, oh, I have great customer service, uh, I'm great with people, and or, or if you want, someone wants to impress me with customer service, I'll be like, okay, how about if I would do an interview? How about if I come to the bar and I want a water? Impress me. Right. Yeah. Because you're a badass and you're going to tell me all about stories about these coffees and whatever products I ask for, you know everything about behind the bar. Perfect. What about if I want a bottle of water? Right. I just want a nice water. I'm thirsty. I don't feel like drinking today. I want a water and my girlfriend wants a Sprite. So what do you do? Right. How would you impress me? So now is where customer service comes up. And if you're amazing in customer service, you are going to be able to give me an amazing experience just drinking water. Because at the end of the bar, at the end of the day, we're going to bars, cocktail bars, whichever. We are not going for the cocktail. We're going for a good experience. We're going for a good time. Regardless, obviously, you go into a cocktail bar to have a good cocktail. Yes. But overall, what you're looking for is a good experience. So yes. if you have a good cocktail, which you can have in any place, but in this particular place, you have a great experience every time you go. What are you gonna? Where, which one you want to go to? And exactly. another thing is, you're never gonna remember what the culture have, but you you are going to remember how you felt that day that you went to that place. Yeah. Okay. Two more questions for you, and I'm gonna honestly let you go. The first one is: Tell all our listeners the bar you're working at currently in Miami, so they can come see you do your thing. Then tell us uh, where they can follow you on social media. So at the moment, I'm working at uh, Sweet Liberty. It's a cocktail bar. Top, top, uh, it's a, a 14 in the U.S. Um, as a cocktail bar. Super cool place. No pretentious. Really good cocktails. Good food. And then uh, you can follow me on social media. I have my uh, my Instagram account. It's uh, Christian Delpes Official. And I usually post videos all the time for flirt tricks. And cocktails as well. I have my YouTube, which is also my YouTube channel, which is also Christian Lopez official. And then I have my TikTok account, which is uh, Christian underscore Lopez. Awesome. 
Either well, way. Christian, you're you're awesome. You have an amazing attitude about the industry. I really appreciate you coming on the show and taking this time to talk to us. Like, I and I mean this. Like, it's super. I find it super cool what you do. But I, more than anything, now that I've talked to you, I find your attitude about the service industry and what's important is like really what shines in you. So, thanks for doing this. And I just have one last question for you that I need an answer. Mm-hmm. Who's a better flair bartender? You, you or your brother? It depends on what perspective you're looking at it. If you're talking about flair technicality, he moves. My brother, by far. Oh, really? Good for yes. you, man. I thought, I thought he, you were going to... He can do. He can do. He can do stuff that I, I would never. I was never able to do. Really. He, he, his uh, ability of creating moves and making difficult moves look very easy is is truly incredible. Is he has a lot of training, so he can make a lot of moves. Now, when it comes to bartending, different story. <laughs> All right, that was a good answer. All right, I, I think I think we both agree on that. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you doing this and thanks for taking the time. I know you're on your way to work. Go see Christian at his bar in Miami. And thanks again for doing this, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much. 